Well, good morning, EVC. All right, that was pretty good. We'll try it one more time, though, just because I know you want to participate even more so, and this is your great chance for participation. So, good morning, EVC. It's awesome to be here with you this morning. I am so excited about this particular message. I hope you have your track shoes on because we're going to be running through some scripture this morning because I am very excited about what God has in store for me as I read this passage this past week and also prayerfully what he has in store for you. Because I'm coming to a very familiar passage to me because I've read it so many times in talking about Um, small groups, small groups and leading small group Bible studies is kind of my area of expertise that I've done for years and years in the church. And this is a passage in Exodus 18 that I have taught for years about this. But as I read it, thinking about this message this morning, I saw it in a whole new fresh light this week. And so quite honestly, I'm going to tell you this up front. I should, a pastor should never tell the congregation this up front. But I probably tried to cram too many things into one message. But we're going to get through it this morning because I think it is totally appropriate for every single person in here today. We're going to be just uh, tagging on to what Pastor Bart did last week as he talked to us about honoring our father and mother. As we come to this time between Mother's Day and Father's Day, I think all the kids of the world say, now wait a second, you got Mother's Day for mothers, you got Father's Day for fathers, when is Kids Day? And all parents say... Every day is kids day. Okay, yes, that is the way way that we feel as parents. We often feel that. But as we get to this time of graduation and thinking about going into the summer and and school is kind of ending, it's, it's a transition time as we think about a lot of those things. The message today is called mentoring and leading for a lifetime without wearing out. Mentoring and leading for a lifetime without wearing out. And here is the important thing. As I was at a graduation yesterday for Blake Redwine, and Blake is just an incredible young man. He is so open to what God has in store for him and his future and so willing as I've seen him grow up from literally just a... uh, He was about five or six years old when I first met him, and I've watched him grow up. I'm so excited about what God is going to do in his life. And as I think about Blake and I think about all these other graduates who are getting ready to do other lifetime things uh, or things with their life, I think about us and about who we are to be and how we mentor and how we literally can lead for a lifetime without wearing out. This is my 25th year in ministry, this starting in 2013. And I'm so excited about what God has for the remainder of my life in ministry. But I often think about this question, how can we do those things without wearing out? How can God continually give through us to other people without us wearing out in the process? And I believe in Exodus chapter 18, we get a plan straight from God through a very interesting instrument in Moses's father-in-law. His name is Jethro, okay? So we see this relationship between Moses and Jethro. Now, as we think about this, we can think about different relationships in Scripture that are father-in-laws and son-in-laws, and you don't have very many. So I hope some of you will go home and prove me wrong, okay? This is prove the pastor wrong day. So I only found three relationships in Scripture that are significant in talking about a father-in-law's relationship to a son-in-law. But let's just review what those are. The first one is Jacob and Laban. Okay, the story of Jacob and Laban, if you remember, it started off with Jacob go going to find a wife 
And he worked for this man named Laban for seven years for this woman named Rachel, who he thought was pretty hot. And at the night of the wedding, Laban pulled a switcheroo and put his oldest daughter, Leah, in with Jacob. And Jacob didn't realize it. And that's a whole other story entirely. I have no time to deal with that. But nevertheless, he doesn't realize it till the next day. And then he finds that his father-in-law has pulled the ultimate switcheroo on him. And he works another seven years to actually have his second bride, which is another thing we don't have time to talk about today. So needless to say, the relationship between Jacob and Laban started off a little bit shaky. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. I think we would agree. The other relationship primarily between a father-in-law and son-in-law is a guy named David and Saul. Okay. And if you know anything about that relationship, that relationship wasn't really a good one either. But the one we're going to look at today is maybe the greatest example of a relationship in scripture between a father-in-law and a son-in-law. And it comes between these two individuals, Moses and Jethro. And we're going to learn how to mentor and lead for a lifetime without wearing out. Now, when I think about mentoring, I've received a great illustration of mentoring this Saturday. It was actually since Saturday's mail, and it came. And I love it when God drops an illustration right before I'm getting ready to speak on this very topic. And it comes in the form of the North Richland Hills newsletter. Now, that's the city that I actually live in. And it comes because one of our members was recognized as being the civilian of the year in North Richland Hills. Her name is Jennifer Weber. And Jennifer works in our children's ministry and just does a phenomenal job of of serving here and serving her family and serving her city. And I want you to to listen to what it says about Jennifer. She has worked diligently. She's a dispatcher for uh, 911 in, in North Richland Hills. She has worked diligently to bring all dispatchers together as one strong, cohesive team. Jennifer is very aware of her employees' strengths and weaknesses. Mentoring those, and that's the key word because that was the message. I'd already chosen the title for this week. Mentoring those who aspire to become supervisors and providing additional training when needed. And that is a beautiful description of what a mentor is. It's someone who knows someone's strengths and weaknesses and knows how to build up their weaknesses and to acknowledge and help them use their strengths to do what God has called them to do. And every single one of you have people in your life that you can mentor. The question is, will you? Will you be close enough in their life to provide a place of mentoring for them? So that's what we're going to be looking at, this whole issue of mentoring and how we can mentor and lead for a lifetime and not wear out. But the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, who is this Jethro character? If we go to Exodus 18, we see that Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard that all had got, that God had done for Moses. So we ask the question, who is this character, Jethro? Is this the Jethro we are thinking of? And the answer is no. This is Jethro Bodine of the Beverly Hillbillies, someone I am quite familiar with, being from Arkansas as well. But I don't know about you, but it makes me hungry for some vittles. Is anybody else in the room? Makes me on a hot day like today want to go jump in the cement pond, okay? That's what this Jethro makes me want to do. But that is not the Jethro, although that's the image that you're going to have of Jethro for the rest of this message, I know. 
That is not the Jethro that we're talking about. Who is this Jethro? Well, very quickly, I want to get through this because we've got lots of other stuff to get to. Here's what we know about Jethro. He was a Midianite. Now, who was a Midianite? Midianites were direct descendants of Abraham. Many of you may not remember that Abraham had another wife other than Sarah. After Sarah died, he married a woman named Keturah. And Keturah had a number of sons, and Midian was one of those sons. So the Midianites are direct descendants of Abraham, just like the Israelites, and just like all the Arab world through Ishmael, another son, through another woman. So we got lots of issues going on in Scripture today, none of which we have time to talk about today, but we are going to move on. So it is Midian. Midian was a son of Abraham. But this particular group of people, for the most part, did not follow after the true God. But Jethro, the Bible says, was a priest. Now, many scholars will argue whether Jethro was really a priest of God being the only God, or was he a priest of some other religion? And I believe fully that Jethro was a priest of God. Although his countrymen, his people group, did not worship God as they went further in their development, I believe Jethro was one who worshipped the true God. And I think we're going to see that. But here is a glimpse of who some of these Midianites were. These Midianites were the same group of people that when Joseph's brothers put him in a pit and sold him into slavery, it was Midianite traders who were moving down from the land of Canaan to Egypt that they sold him to these Midianite group, to this Midianite group. So that's one example of scripture that we have of them. Another example in scripture that we see of these, this group called the Midianites is in the book of Judges. Because this group of people often warred against Israel and attempted to defeat them. And God raised up a particular individual named Gideon that we know about. And Gideon defeated the Midianites. So this is who this group of people was. But Jethro was a priest of Midian. But we see some things that happened in Jethro's life. And I want us to see these things very specifically today. Because I want you to ask yourself the question, who do I build my life into? Who do I speak into? Especially during this time of graduation, we think about our kids. We are all have the opportunity to mentor our kids and our children. But we also have the opportunity to mentor other people in our life. We have neighbors, we have friends, we have co-workers who look to us whether we realize it or not. And we have the opportunity to speak into their life. And many times we see their life and we want to speak into it, but it's just we want to give advice. We want to tell them what they're doing wrong. And people don't receive that. How can we mentor in such a way that people are willing and ready to receive the word that God has to give through us, but that people would actually receive it? And here is, we're going to have two main points and lots of little subpoints for this message today. But the first point is this. Mentors earn the right to speak. Mentors must earn the right to speak. If you're anything like me, as God has, and matter of fact, all of you are kind of like me in this, that you have two ears and one mouth. And we all know that that means we should, what? Listen twice as much as we speak. And many of us see these people in our lives, whether it be our children or our neighbors or our friends or the people that we see that they're doing something wrong and we want to correct them. But Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, gives us a brilliant example of what we must do if we want to earn the right to speak in the lives of others. And so we see this in the life and in the relationship of Jethro and Moses. 
We have to go all the way back to the beginning of Exodus to actually understand this. And the first thing that Jethro does in the life of Moses, which this is going to be a series of things that I want you to, I hope you'll take notes because every one of you have people that you mentor. They are, you have people that look to you for guidance. And if you want them to listen to what you have to say, we had better follow the example that Jethro does. As I've already given you and shown you in Scripture that there aren't many good relationships between father-in-laws and son-in-laws. But Moses listens to what Jethro has to say. And it is no accident. Jethro earns the right to speak in Moses' life. And I had never seen this in God's Word before. And this week, it like leaped off the page into my life. What does Jethro do to earn the right to speak? The first thing he does is Jethro is a giving person to Moses. We have to go all the way back to the first part of Exodus, verse 16 verse, uh, through 21. It says, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. How did, how did Jethro give to, to Moses? And they came and they drew water and filled their troughs with their father's, for their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. And when they came home to their father, Reuel, which is another word, another name for Jethro, he said to him, how is it that you've come home so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And then Moses, it says, was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. Moses, in his relationship with Jethro, Jethro was a giver to Moses. What did he give? His best gift that he could give. His own daughter in marriage to Moses. Jethro was, first of all, a giver into Moses' life. Now, I'm not advocating that you give your children to people as being a mentor, okay? That's not what I'm saying to you today. But as a father of growing daughters, I understand this more and more of the kind of gift that Jethro gave to Moses. He gave his very best. He trusted Moses in this one instance, so much so that he gave him his daughter. And as I get closer and closer to that age of my daughters, I'm going, I'm not sure I would trust anybody with them, let alone someone that he had just met. But what we see in the life of Jethro, if you want people to receive what you have for them as mentoring into their life, you've got to be a giver. And that's my first question for us. Are we givers? Are we people who are willing to give into the life of others so that they might hear something from us? Jethro just didn't see something in Moses' life and tell him he was doing something wrong. He first gave to him. The second thing that he does in Moses' life is Jethro is a person of provision. In Exodus 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, what does Jethro provide for Moses? It is what every father-in-law wants to provide for a son-in-law, and that is a job, okay? That is what Jethro gave to Moses. He was a provider into Moses' life because he gave him not a handout. He gave him a job. Do we understand? I don't think in our welfare system we quite understand what we do when we simply give people things and not give them a hand up, but instead a handout. 
What we do is we take the blessing from them because it's the ability for them to build up who they are in actually working for something. And I think that's something that is huge in error in our country. But most importantly for us today, it is that Jethro was a man of provision. He provided Moses a job. And here's the point for us. If you want to want people to listen to what you have to say, to speak into their life, you have to earn the right to do so. Are you a provider for them? What are their needs? Do you know the needs of the people that you want to speak into? Well, if you know your children, certainly you probably know their needs. But I want you to think of that neighbor, that friend that you would like to speak into their life. You've seen things happening in their home and you question, do I really have the right to speak into their life? Who am I to speak into their life? It means you have to earn the right. Have you provided anything for them? Have you provided any type of need? Have you been over to help them with a project or help them with something? If it's a coworker, have you been willing to sit with them and work with them to maybe alleviate something that's going on in their life? It's not giving them a handout. It's literally giving them a hand up, being a provider in their life. He was a giving person. He was a person of provision. The third thing that we see in Jethro, he, he was an encourager. He believed in Moses. Do you encourage the people that you're around that you can eventually be able to speak into their life? Exodus 4, verses 18 through 20, we see this. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law. It's just interesting to me. I did not do it, but I normally do this. I normally count how many times it says Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. It's unbelievable the number of times that it does this in these first few chapters of Exodus. But Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go, he asked for permission, let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the staff of God in his hand. Now, we read through that. I just read it. You listened to it, and you probably didn't catch what just happened. How many, how many dads of daughters do I have in the room? Would you just raise your hand? Okay. Dads of daughters, let me pose it to you this way. Your son-in-law, who has just married your little girl, and has just now had your grandchildren, now tells you, hey, by the way, father-in-law, I would like to go to the greatest superpower known to mankind right now, whom I killed one of them, and they are looking to take my life. And I would like to take your daughter and your grandchildren and take them back into that place because I want to free the whole group of slaves that live there. Now, how many father-in-laws in the room would say, yeah, I'd be up for Moses going to do that? But what did Jethro do? Jethro said, go. This tells me that Jethro had to be a believer in the one high God and had to be a man who was in tune with what God wanted to say. Or otherwise, there is no earthly way that I as a dad would tell my daughter or my son-in-law, future son-in-law or whomever, that you should go and do that. It's suicide. Jethro had to know unless God provided a way, his son-in-law, daughter, and grandchildren were dead. That's the kind of man Jethro was. He believed in Moses. If God had spoken to Moses, then he was willing to listen and he was an encourager. Here's the question I have for you. When people come to you, are you the devil's advocate? 
Do you shoot holes in their ideas? Do you always shoot their thoughts and things that go on in their life? Do you shoot them down? Do you look for the black spot on their white piece of paper of their life? Jennifer was talking to me. We were, we were sharing about this. And she came in contact with a group of teachers, a couple of teachers in her first year of teaching that said some very mean and hurtful things to my wife that were very difficult for her to hear on her first few weeks of teaching. She came back into contact with those same teachers after 20 years of experience of her teaching. And these two teachers were saying the same things to first-year teachers that they said to her. They were still being bullies. They were still telling him. And by the way, this was about how you should dress on their campus and whether your clothes are the right clothes or not. Their character was shown true. 20 years later, they're still doing the same things. They had opportunities to step into my wife's life and being experienced teachers to bless her and to encourage her, but instead they made her feel small. But 20 years later, she got to step into the life of another teacher and say, you need to understand something. These ladies have never changed. They did this to me 20 years ago. They're doing the same thing to you. You don't have to listen to that voice. What was that that she did? She was an encourager. Are you that kind of encourager to people that you want to mentor, that you want to be involved in their lives? Do you encourage them? Do you provide places of provision? Are you a giving person in their life? This is what Jethro's father-in-law was to him. And he earned the right to speak. Another thing that Jethro was, he was a person of security. Are you a person of security to others? Exodus 18, verses 2 through 7. It says, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. How the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home. Now, what is that? We don't have this recorded anywhere else in Scripture. We know that Moses took his wife and his two sons with him when he went to Egypt. But at some point in time in the game, he realized either that their lives were in jeopardy and he made a choice to send them home back to be with his father-in-law. Jethro was a place of security for Moses because he was willing to send his wife and his children back to his father-in-law's home. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help, and he's delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and the wife of Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses and said, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife, and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and they bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent together. See, here's what happened. You remember when Moses saw the burning bush, he was on Mount Sinai. And God said, this is a sign that I will give to you. You will bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and you will come back to worship at this mountain. And this is where we are back in the story in Exodus 18. He has now brought the children of Israel there. And now his father-in-law, whom he had told all this story of what was going to happen, now comes out with his wife and children. 
But what's the point? The point is, Jethro was a place of security for Moses. And here's the question that I would ask you. When you think about your children, when you think about your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, that you have an opportunity to speak into their life, can you be trusted? Are you a person of security? When you're told something in confidence, can you hold that? Or do you give it up as a prayer request to others? Can you be trusted? I'm getting to this, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it now. I have a phenomenal relationship with my father-in-law. He's in this service. His name is Mike Fritz. And we have a great relationship. I didn't know how good our relationship was till I realized what kind of gift he gave me in his daughter. As my daughters get older, I understand what it was for him to give me his oldest child, his oldest daughter. I understand that. He is one of my very best friends. He will be the first person that I would call in any time of need. He is a place of security for my family. When our air conditioner goes out on a hot summer day, I don't call Billy Ryan. I like Billy Ryan. I don't call Dean Smith. Dean Smith has been a longtime friend of mine, but that joker back there wouldn't let me come stay at his house for nothing, okay? But I call my father-in-law because in a heartbeat, yeah, come stay with me as long as it takes. That's an incredible thing, a place of security. And here's my point for you. Are you the kind of mentor? Are you the kind of person who can be listened to who gives a place of security for others? Can you be trusted? Can you be that person to be called in the middle of the night? Because, see, we jump in this process, in this passage, we always jump to the advice that Moses' father-in-law gave him. And we think, that's a great piece of advice. But what jumped off to me this week as I read this is Jethro earned the right to say these things to Moses by doing all the things that we've been talking about. He was, a, he was a giver. He was a place of provision. He was security. He was an encourager. He was also a person of blessing. A person of blessing. Are you a person of blessing to other people? Or do you step on other people in any way that you can just to get one ring higher on the ladder? Are you a person of blessing? Here's how Jethro was a person of blessing to Moses. Verses 18, 8 through 12, it says, Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh, and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. Now, be honest with me, because I've been there with you. When someone has something incredible to say, are you always looking for that opportunity to one-up them? When they're telling their great story and what God has done in their life, are you always looking for the place that you can get in, what God has been doing for you? Are you willing to listen? Jethro listened, and he was a person of blessing. Moses is telling him the story. He's telling the story about how they came to the Red Sea and the Egyptians were behind him. And you wouldn't believe it, Dad. I mean, it was awesome because I stretched out the rod of God and the, the sea parted and we went by on dry land. To God be the glory. This is what Moses is telling his father-in-law. And Jethro is hanging on every word of it. Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed Be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now, I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because of this affair. They dealt arrogantly with the people. 
And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Are you a person who blesses others? That's how you earn the right to say something into their life. Do you bless them? I'll never forget what an elderly lady said to me one time. She pulled me to the side, and it was not for anyone else to hear. And she said, Randy, I need to tell you something. And whenever she did that, I always listen. Whenever older ladies speak into my life, I tend to listen, okay? Tend to. Let's be clear about that, all right? But she said, whenever I see you and I see your smile, I want you to know I see Jesus. What do you think that did for me? That lady could have asked me for the world and I would have done everything I could to get it to her. Why? Because she said something nice to me? No. Because when she said that to me, that was as if God himself were saying that to me. Because in that moment, I felt his light shine on me. I don't say that for me to get puffed up. That's not the point. The point is this lady was a blessing to me and I would have moved heaven and earth to try to make sure that she was cared for. Are you a person of blessing? Do you provide that kind of message over people that when they leave from talking with you, they feel like they've had a message from God? That's what Jethro did in the life of Moses. Jethro was a person of blessing. He was also an observer. Do you observe people's uh, life and actions or are you just quick to give advice? Do you observe what's going on? Here's what Moses did. Exodus 18, verse 13. He says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. And you know what his father-in-law did? He didn't say a word. And he watched it all. So many of us, when we want to speak into people's lives, we see what they're doing wrong and we immediately jump on it. That's not what Jethro did. He earned the right to speak by watching over time what was happening in Moses' life and then giving his word of advice at just the right time. The final thing that Jethro did was he gave Moses advice. In other words, he, you and I should be advisors. But we need to understand that we do so only when we've walked lots of life through with that person that we're speaking into their life. Many of us want to give advice to our kids. And you cannot do it unless you've earned the right to speak into their life. Many of us would like to correct what our neighbors do wrong, especially when it's late at night and they're still up and loud. We would like to do that. But have we walked with them? Have we earned the right to speak into their life? Many of us would like to look at our adult children and give them advice of what they need to do. But have you earned the right to do so? Jethro did. And when he spoke into Moses' life, he listened. And I don't think that's an accident. He finally gave advice. Let me tell you how that goes with my father-in-law and I. Mike will say to me, Randy, I don't want to get in your business, but whenever he says that but, I know that whatever is going to come after that is something I had better listen to. Why? Because he's been all these things to me. He's been an encourager. He's been a provider. He's been a place of security. He has earned the right to speak this into my life. 
Amen? That's what we must be. We must be ready to give the advice, but walk long enough with people that we have the right to speak. Whatever he says after but is something I need to heed and listen to. What did Jethro say to Moses? And this is the second half of this message. What did Jethro say? He gave him a system of leadership because he saw something in error in Moses' way of thinking. And he gives him Exodus 18, verse 14. And I want us to listen to this because this strategy does not come from the corporate world, although our corporate world uses it. It came from Jethro through God, through God, through or to, from God through Jethro to us, and we need to heed it. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, "What is it that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening?" Now, before I go forward, you need to understand this is Moses' paradigm of leadership. Where did he grow up? He grew up in the court of Pharaoh. What did he see Pharaoh do? Pharaoh sat on his throne and people came in and talked to him. That's the only thing that Moses knew. He was living in a paradigm or a mindset that said, everybody must bring your issues to the king. And Moses said, I I didn't know what else to do. That's what I saw Pharaoh do. That's That's the biggest, baddest leader I've ever been around. And that's what I thought I should be doing. He says, because the people come to inquire me of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me. And I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses said to him, Moses, I don't want to get in your business. But what you are doing is not good. You and the people are certainly going to wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, let me give you the picture of what's happening. Literally, between one and three million people are who we are talking about. That is the whole proper area of all of Fort Worth and all the feeder cities of which Saginaw and Watauga and Haltham City and Arlington, all of those, you put all those together, and that is between one and three million people. The same number that Moses was leading from Egypt to the promised land. Imagine what the lines are like. You think that short line in the supermarket is bad for you? This is the worst line you've ever seen. You've thought the line to get on the Titan at Six Flags is bad? That is nothing compared to this line. Imagine all the people who have a complaint in our fair city get in line outside of EVC and come to the Grand Poobah, Pastor Bart, to give his wisdom on what he might tell them. Imagine what the lines are like. Okay, imagine what it would be like for Bart to sit here all day and go, lady, you're griping at your husband for what? Your son-in-law said what to you? You did what? You, you don't like your employer? Think of how many issues would be taking place for one to three million people and the kind of lines that must have been there. Have you ever contemplated that? Think of Moses pulling out his iPhone and trying to schedule one to three million people going, look, you could, I've got time for you a week from January 6th in the year 2018, okay? I think I can fit you in about that time. We don't understand the mindset that Moses was really dealing with. And Jethro goes, dude, you're wearing yourself out and you're wearing your people out because 
Think of what it's like to stand in that line. All right? By the time you get up to talk with Moses, you've had 15 other issues that you with people that are just around you in line that you're now going to have to deal with him about, right? Moses, Jethro says, Moses, you can't do this. You're wearing yourself out. Now, son-in-law, obey my voice. I will give you some advice and God be with you. I love that. Look, dude, I'm going to give you some advice and God be with you because you're going to need it. All right. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And in this, Moses receives from Jethro a leadership structure. A leadership structure that will not only bode well for him, but will bode well for us today. In the places that we work, even in our neighborhoods, and certainly in our church. Jethro gives Moses a structure with which people can be led effectively. And it's something that we even are seeking to do today. So the second point today is this. How do we lead for a lifetime and not wear out? We must take what Jethro says to Moses. If we're going to make this for a lifetime, I've entered my 25th year of ministry. If I want to lead another 25 years, how do I do this to keep giving out and not wear out? I need to take heed of what Jethro said. The first point he gives us is how do we lead? We need to share leadership. Share leadership. In chapter 18, verse 21 through 22, it just says, But place such men over the people, chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they'll decide themselves. So it will be easier for you And they will bear the burden, what? With you. It's shared leadership. I need to let you understand that my father-in-law is one of my closest friends, but another one of my closest friends is the lead pastor of EVC, Bart Howell. Because three years ago, when I was on the verge of burnout in ministry for a number of reasons, we came together and he said, would you join me and be a partner in ministry? And my ears perked up big time because that's what I love. I grew up as a basketball player, and I love team. I love everything about team. I love the fact that basketball is not about one person, or at least it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be about a team of people who do this together. And that's what I believe ministry is about. And Bart knew what it meant to share leadership. He said, I want to have a partner in ministry. He is the lead pastor. But as what I get to do is I get to come and bring everything that God has gifted me to do. And we get to put those two things together and see what God wants to do. He understood what Jethro said in shared leadership. So this is our next step at EVC. As God is getting us ready, as we get ready to to move to this property, as God brings growth as He's already doing, we have come to the conclusion that we believe this is the time where it's time for us to put a further implementation of shared leadership. And I want to give you an outline or just a picture of what this shared leadership structure looks like for Moses to us. 
Notice that it's a triangle. Now, our corporations have taken a triangle and put a triangle at the top, and then it flows down to others. And notice that's not the intent, and I don't believe ever the intent of what God had for us. And that is, this is an inverted triangle in that everything is about servant leadership from the bottom to the top. And so what he says is, there are those who are leaders of thousands, those who are leaders of hundreds, fifties, tens, and then the individuals. For us at EVC, and Pastor Bart will be unveiling this over the next coming months as he preaches a series going through the summer about uh, what it means to be the church. And we talk about this leadership structure. What we as your pastors are kind of, we're that leaders of thousands. Now, we don't have a thousand people here at EVC. Will we one day? We don't know. That's not what we're desiring to be. We're not desiring to be the mega church of anything. We want to be the church that is effectively reaching the people that God has called us to reach. But that means that we can't just have all the leadership in one pastor or in two, but in multiple of us. And that means that we need elders. These are those leaders of hundreds that we are going to describe what those look like. Those leaders of hundreds would be an elder group that shares the leadership, that are part and people called out of this congregation to share the leadership of what EVC is to do and to be. The leaders of 50 are, are staff members who are, and, and people who lead ministries, a men's ministry or women's ministry, children or youth or administration, whatever. Those are leaders of 50s and then leaders of 10s. I want to talk about that for just a second. These are our life group leaders. And if there's one area of ministry over the years that I've been in ministry that I have been, quote unquote, supposed to know more about, it's about life groups. That's what I've done for years and years. And in all the, in the three years that I've been here, we've talked about a lot of things, but we have not worked as much on our life groups as what I feel like we need to. And I'm just going to take responsibility. That's my fault. But I believe God has significant steps of growth that he wants us to take to get more and more of you involved. Now, that takes something on your part that we're going to talk about in just a second. But keep that in mind, life groups. These are our leaders of tens. So these are people, this is how you get to know others. This is how your needs get known in the body of Christ here at EVC. These leaders of tens are our life group leaders. And then the one that makes the most difference and the most impact are our families, our moms and dads. So you take 10 families, that's essentially a life group. You take some of those life groups, that becomes a ministry. And then we have elders and pastors whose servant lead those from the bottom to the top. Shared leadership. So that's what Jethro says to Moses. Moses, it's about shared leadership, but it's not just about that. It's about calling the people to responsibility, calling the people to responsibility. Exodus 18, verse 19 and 20. I love how this says this. Now obey my voice, Jethro says, and I will give you advice and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. Now listen, and you shall warn them about the statutes and laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. We are a church because each of us are called a personal responsibility. This is not wind the dude up on stage and watch him talk and let's do what he says. That's not what this is about. This is about a living, breathing body of Christ in which we are all called to personal responsibility. 
This is not a church in which we just gather on Sunday and give great stories about what should happen the next week. That's a great thing to do, but it's a more, it is about us going out and being the church. We are called to personal responsibility to do what God has called us to do as the body of Christ. Excuse me, as the body of Christ. And so the personal responsibility is ours. As Bart said earlier, we've set the vision out here for moving to this new property. But we're going to go as fast as you are willing to be obedient to give. We're not going to push you to a point where all we talk about is money to get there. That's not what we're about. We will get there as quickly as we are willing to be obedient. Not just one of us, but all of us. As far as life groups goes, it means this. Some of you have been a part of EVC and have never been a part of a life group. And we can talk about life groups and talk about how important they are and how special they are and how good they are in our lives. But if you don't get involved in them, then we're just windbags and we're kind of that anyway. All right? Are you going to take a step of personal responsibility and get involved in one? And here's the deal. If everybody at EVC decided to get involved in a life group tomorrow, you know what we would not have? Enough life groups. Not even close. So what does that call us to a personal responsibility? Some of you are going to have to step up and lead. That's the bottom line. Somebody's going to have to step up and be willing to be a mentor and speak into the lives of others, which it's not easy to shepherd people. It's just not. We are very independent folks. So here's what we know. Some of you may never get involved in one. And we can talk about them all day long, but it's up to you. We can't force you into it. It just doesn't work that way. Are you called to personal responsibility? That's the second thing, the third thing that Jethro said had to be in place. Then he said this. Moses, if this is going to work, you're going to need to select people of character. Verse 21 says, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, Here's what he says. Select men of capability who are capable of doing it. Select men of spirituality who are looking to God and not looking to themselves. Men of integrity whose lifestyle is blameless before others. And men who, are, who have incorruptibility. In other words, they can't be bribed. Other people can't, can't pull something on them and bribe them into doing something. Jethro said, these are the kind of men that you need to select. Select people of character. Then... Entrust them with responsibility according to their abilities. Each of us have different abilities. Some of us can lead groups of thousands. Some of us can lead effectively a group of ten. One is not better than the other. God has just given you a certain ability to lead a, lead a group of your family or maybe a life group or maybe as an elder or maybe as a pastor. God has given you that certain ability. But it is our role to empower and entrust you with whatever ability that God has given you and to utilize that ability for the greater good of the body. And that is what Jethro told to Moses. Select people and then entrust them with responsibility. Then he said, delegate this to them, but do not abdicate. What do I mean by that? Look at Exodus 18, 22. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. Did Moses cease seeing people? No. Did he close himself in his office and say, I'm not approachable anymore? No. 
That is not what God has called us to do or to be as your pastors. God has said what we are desired, what we are designed to do and to be is to build leadership into others and to not just delegate leadership, but not to abdicate. We are also leading along with you, but God has called us to do this together. Delegate, but don't abdicate. And the final thing today, then, Jethro says to Moses that he must follow through. He really doesn't even say this to Moses, but Moses does it. I love this. Exodus eighteen twenty four. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and he did all that he said. Moses didn't just listen to his father-in-law. He put what he said into practice. And that's what God is calling us to do. What does this mean for us today? I thought this was a very appropriate message for me to give to you today because Bart began a process two years ago as he went on a sabbatical after 20 plus years of ministry for him because it was at a time in which he needed it and he had heard from God and needed that. And in doing so, he wanted to set in place and we wanted to set in place an opportunity for us to have a healthy staff. And for us to model doing this sabbatical time away to rest, refuel, and replenish what God has for us. And this summer, in the month of June and July, I'm going to be taking a sabbatical. And this will be my last Sunday here for a few weeks. And why are we doing this? We do this because it's time. This is my 25th year of ministry, and I've never had two weeks off back-to-back in 25 years. So what does that mean for me? I'm a little tired. In the last four years, I've lost my mother and father. And I don't know that I've actually grieved their deaths and that process in my life like I really need to. Why? Because I was too busy focused on everything else. And so what I'm asking of you is that you would pray. Bart's already set this example. He gave a brilliant illustration of this. that It's like a gas tanker that needs to go back and refuel. So the month of June, that's what I'm going to be doing, is just refueling and refreshing what God wants to say to me. In the month of July, I'm going to be focusing with leaders on our life groups. And I'm going to be calling some of you and asking you to meet with me during that month of July. I won't be back here on Sundays yet because I'll be visiting some other churches, checking some other things out, and meeting with you as potential new life groups that It's not that we're totally redoing our structure of life groups, but that we're going to need more of you. And we're going to need what God has in store for us as we make this next step. So I would ask you just to pray for me and my family as we do that. And I thought, what a message to be able to do that with because of the life of Moses and his relationship with his father-in-law, Jethro. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this congregation and just what you're doing in us and all the lives that are being changed and being transformed and how you're doing that with us as well as pastors. And God, I pray that you would guide us today. Lord, if there's one person here today that sees themselves as this mentor, that they would know how to lead effectively, that they would know that their life must speak volumes and walk through life with this person that they want to share with, that, Lord, you might minister to them and through them. And God, that you've given us a leadership structure that as we take further steps to be the healthy church that you've called us to be, that we would be obedient to that. God, I pray for your people as we do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.